You're listening to episode 166 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, Dr. Alan Strange, Professor of Church History, will be concluding our brief uh, portion of this series on church history by discussing the person of Ambrose. But first, Dr. Strange, you have another book recommendation uh, that you would like our listeners to hear about, correct? Yes. I I ended uh, last time talking about Chrysostom, and I had uh, the citation that he preached 90 sermons uh, from Matthew was from a book that um, I would like to call to the attention of the listeners. They may be interested in this. Uh, this there's a wonderful description of, of Chrysostom, uh, his preaching, what he did in his life, the things we were talking about in this volume. This is the second volume called The Patristic Age, and it's in a set by Hughes Oliphant Old. It's a seven-volume set by Hughes Oliphant Old, O-L-D, uh, called The Reading and Preaching of the Scriptures in the Worship of the Christian Church. And uh, some of our listeners, it just occurs to me, though that's a lot, you're saying seven volumes. The kind of thing that could really interest you, though, if you want to know the whole history about preaching, and he takes it up to uh, contemporary times. And so uh, I was just looking at, and though not really quoting to you from in any significant way other than the the 90 sermons, uh, was looking at this book of Hughes Oliphant Old, but it occurs to me that some of our listeners might like to know of this resource uh, because I know some of you, though, a detailed history of the whole church may not be as of great interest. Uh, Some of you might be interested in a a, a detailed history of the practice of reading the scriptures and then especially, obviously, preaching them in the worship of the Christian church and how that's developed. So, well, let's talk a little bit about Ambrose. Tell us a little bit about him and uh, whether or not it was true that he was actually Augustine's mentor. Yeah, I mean, Ambrose, his dates are 339 to 397. Um, and I do remind you at this point, uh, once a wag said on a test when I was asking for dates of some of these later figures. Uh, he protested his having none by saying he was a monk. He didn't have any dates. So, uh, wow. <laughs> he lost the points, though. No. <laughs> a little clever. I give him, a, I give him sure. a point for cleverness. But, um, yes. Uh, and the reason, I mean, Ambrose was a, was a great man in his own right. But the kind of thing you want to say about Ambrose is, is this. If he never did anything else, the fact that he had as protege, Augustine, the great Augustine of Hippo, is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord willing, when we come back, whenever it is uh, in the future, we're going to have uh, a couple of episodes, I would mm-hmm. think, probably, sure. on Augustine, who is arguably the greatest single figure in the early church. Mm-hmm. And um, Ambrose was indeed uh, his spiritual father and evangelizer. Uh, but Ambrose was a significant figure in his own right. He becomes the Bishop of Milan. So as you know, if you're thinking about your uh, geography there, uh, you know where Rome is in Italy. Uh, Milan is uh, up the boot 
going up towards Switzerland and France. Uh, it's up there, and uh, that is where his bishopric was. And he was the his father was a governor of Gaul. Gaul, of course, uh, being France, and uh, he was a he was a provincial governor, and so he was from a uh, an upper class noble background. Uh, he was educated. Ambrose was educated at Rome. He was an excellent orator. He was considered one of the best orators of the ancient church. Obviously, you you may be thinking, well, I thought you said Chrysostom was the greatest preacher, right? And Chrysostom was more purely a preacher because uh, Ambrose has a significant career before becoming a preacher, and he was known as a great orator mm. in the political realm. He becomes uh, a provincial Roman governor, so he follows in his father's footsteps, mm-hmm. you might say, right. and in fact, he becomes the provincial governor, uh, which has its seat in Milan. He's the, the governor and lives there in Milan. And uh, is he, he's a wealthy man, and he, he gives away his goods to the poor uh, at the point uh, where he comes into church office. Uh, but you may be familiar, uh, you all may be somewhat familiar with the story of this, and uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you who I'm quoting from here uh, because it's another book that you might be interested in. There's a book called The Dictionary of Historical Theology by Trevor Hart. And it's a quite interesting, and it deals with the theological aspects of things, but it deals with figures uh, as well. And uh, about Ambrose, it talks about, it says he had a classical education at Rome and pursued a career in the administra- uh, the imperial administrative service, just what we've been talking about, uh, was appointed governor of the province that was based in Milan, Emilia Liguria. Uh, and what happens there is that the, um, the bishop of Milan then, of course, he's the governor in Milan, the civil ruler, Ambrose is, but the ecclesiastical ruler of Milan becomes an Arian, so you have uh, you have um, Ambrose, who is the civil ruler, but he is uh, orthodox. He is a big supporter of Nicaea, and his own bishop in the city uh, is uh, beginning in 355 is an Arian. Well, Oxentius is his name, by the way, and Oxentius, the Arian bishop, dies in 374. And so when he does, the city is thrown into a turmoil uh, because particularly now the pro-Nicene group, which has grown quite a bit, uh, Arianism is waning uh, at this point very much. And the pro-Nicene group insists that they have a say in the appointment of of his successor. In fact, they're saying, we do not want another Arian. We want a Nicene supporter to be the bishop. Uh, And Ambrose as the governor, so you kind of get the picture here they are in the cathedral, and it's threatening maybe to become a riot because mm. the stronger group is really saying, we will have a say, and the Arians, there's still enough Arians there that this could come to blows. And you can imagine Ambrose, he's a good and godly governor, civil governor. He basically stands up because, I mean, the bishop's dead. Who Who is the most influential person there? So he stands up. He intervenes. 
and upholds, makes it clear that he upholds the rights of the Nicenes. And of course, you probably, many of you have heard the story that the cry begins to go up, Ambrose for bishop, Ambrose for bishop. And you say, oh, well, wait a minute. Is, is Ambrose even a deacon or a presbyter? He's none of those things. He's none of those things. He is the governor. And he becomes right at that point. He accedes to the call. He becomes a catechumen in that hour. Hmm. He becomes a catechumen. Uh, and uh, he had not even been baptized at this point. Uh, you may recall when we talked about Tertullian, I believe we talked about the delay of baptism question and with Constantine. We'll have to, Jared is making a face. We may not have. Uh, we might need to talk about some of those things in, in coming episodes. But um, he accepts baptism. He accepts, uh, he goes through all of this. Uh, he goes from being a catechumen who is not baptized to a presbyter uh, and consecrated as bishop in less than two weeks. Wow. And so I often, when I tell fellows that and I look up and they're gasping, I say, don't think this will happen to you. <laughs> don't think that you will be able to bypass your your consistories and sessions, your presbyteries and classes in thorough examinations. Um, this this was all for a reason. Now, uh, it, it is something that the Council of the Church will, will, will say against. But Theodosius, as I said, is the emperor and he becomes... A uh, he and he and um, Ambrose are friends. I understand that there was a famous confrontation between Ambrose and the emperor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, as I said, they were friends, but there is a confrontation that becomes a sort of paradigmatic for the church in terms of something I've written quite a bit on: the question of the spirituality of the church, the spirituality of the church, that doctrine is that the church as an institute, the church as church, uh, its concern is not civil or familial. Its concern is ecclesiastical and spiritual. Uh, and um, what happens uh, there uh, at the time uh, of, of Ambrose and Theodosius, let me just back up and say some church fathers during Constantine's time, go back to 325, and so forth, people like Lactantius and Eusebius, of course, so identified, came to so identify the church and the state that the Roman church and state were virtually seen as one. And this came to have with it a whole lot of problems, ultimately, and um, it took on two different dimensions. In the West, uh, the Bishop of Rome said, well, okay, if there's a oneness here, uh, the church is over the state. And in the East, you got something called Caesaropapism, uh, where they said, no, the state is over the church. But Ambrose was somebody who didn't think that the Christian emperor was his good friend, Theodosius, was simply properly over the church. Uh, what happened was when Theodosius, uh, in response to the death of a Roman official in Thessalonica, so a Roman official had been killed in Thessalonica, um, he permitted a massacre there out of proportion to the crime. So he basically sent orders to wipe those out who had anything to do with it, and they killed a lot of people. And he actually sent a counterman to that order, 
thinking a little better of it uh, a day or two later, but they had already carried it out. And Ambrose, as the bishop, excommunicated him. He's based, Ambrose wow. said, you should not, as the emperor, have ordered a massacre. This was, this was unjust. Mm-hmm. This was not right. Uh, and he said, he, fir- he declared that the emperor is in the church, not over the church. Right. A very famous statement. Yep. It provides a kind of interesting case study in early church history, and I'm now quoting from my uh, dissertation, uh, which I quote from every other minute. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, quoting from that uh, on the, the relative relationship of church and state after Constantine's conversion. Uh, and Theodosius actually submits to the discipline. He repented and was restored to communion, being subject to discipline like any other member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, there are several famous paintings of this. Um, but some other things uh, to talk about with respect to Ambrose. He has a number of writings. He, in fact, you recall I said that Basil had that great book on the Holy Spirit. He translated that on the Holy Spirit into Latin. So they had it in the West. And he had books on the faith where he attacks Arianism and supports the Nicene understanding. Uh, on the mysteries and on the sacraments, talking about the the sacraments and their usage, and a very famous book called On the Duties of Ministers. And some of you, if you recall your classical studies, are probably thinking, oh yes, Cicero had a book, didn't he, called De Officiis, On Moral Duties. And he, he basically takes off on that book of Cicero's and says, On the Duties of Ministers and how ministers ought to behave themselves. And he means not only both in a godly fashion, but he means in a civilized fashion. He's trying to bring, and his interest is to bring the ministerium to have a place of great influence Mm -hmm. in the church. And um, he does that. And of course, he has influence uh, in the life of Augustine uh, that we'll be talking about in the future. Well, thank you, Dr. Strange, so much for your explaining of these past uh, gentlemen, uh, key figures in the early church. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jared. Good to be with you. And uh, it's always good to interact and to talk to our supporters. For more podcast episodes, you can find us on our website at midamerica.edu slash podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Be sure to search for and subscribe to Mid-America Reformed Seminaries Roundtable. I'm Jared Luchibor. Till next time.